Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. This is our pre-draft, pre-free agency episode, but it's also going to be a review of the Jeff Weltman and John Hammond front office regime and how Weltham have sort of reached that fork in the road where they have to be decisive on a path moving forward with this Magic franchise. They were hired in May 2017, so they've had three full seasons of being in charge. They're going into their fourth campaign now, and we're at the point where they have to show more progress than just barely being a playoff team in the East. Penny and I are going to go over the roster, who should stay, who should go, trade ideas, draft pick preferences, and more. Let's go. So a lot has happened since our last episode in late August. Uh, we have a new presidential administration in this country, thankfully. I own a dog. His name is Argos. He's a four-month-old golden doodle, and I'm enjoying life with him so far, even if he's biting and clawing me to death. You may or may not hear him during this podcast because he's a very, very loud boy for just four months, uh, and he gets a little restless even with treats. But uh, you know, during the Magic Bucks series, I went to Greece for a much-needed two-week vacation. Was it risky to do that during a pandemic? Yes. Was I careful? Yes. Was it worth it? Absolutely. But Greece, Europe, much of the world, including the U.S., is struggling hard right now with cases and COVID-19 deaths. And in most of those places, it's worse now than it was even back in March. But Penny, I don't know if you got anything notable that you want to share that's happened since we last spoke in August. Uh, no. Other than a a, a, sca- a a weird scavenger hunt that unfortunately you, you didn't win and that uh, that unfortunately is going to probably go bankrupt. But um, you know, any, anybody that participated in the Treasured Adventures Florida um, expedition on November fourteenth probably um, will not be doing it again. I mean, you what? I mean, you bought a house. That's pretty exciting, but. Um, I did buy a house, true, I forgot about that. And one day bleeds into the next as we continue the self-isolation over here on this side of town. This is very true. Uh, I ended up watching the Magic lose Game 5 uh, to the Bucks in Athens while watching the game on my phone, so thank you ESPN+. Plus. I couldn't go to any bars or whatnot because they were doing curfews after midnight, and you know those games run well past midnight over in Europe. So, anyway, okay, Penny, did you see of Giannis over there? Um, gosh, actually, only a small handful. Um, and I and yeah, it was only a small handful. So, um, it's I don't know. It, it's it's been a weird summer. We'll leave it at that. And I think Adetokounmpo, well, he was in Greece for. The, the past month or so, and I think he's he's going to start coming back now soon, but to the states, but not as many as usual, and that's probably courtesy of the pandemic. But Penny, you can give me any lingering thoughts, but for me, the four-one series defeat is pretty simple. We had some bad injuries that gave us no shot to truly win the series. No Isaac, no AG. Fuck off, Kyle Lowry. Uh, no MCW, no Bamba because he never recovered from getting COVID nineteen in June and. We found out today in the pre-draft interview with Jeff Weltman that Mo is still suffering some lingering effects from COVID-19. So 
not just basketball wise, but just health wise, I'm I'm worried about him. But um, we'll wait for more info to come out on that, I guess. Fournier was horrible the whole series as he never shook off the effects from a non-COVID-19 illness he dealt with right before the postseason. Um, yes, we won game one on a Herculean effort from the squad. Thankfully, Vucevic redeemed himself immensely the entire series, made up for a lot of shit he had to deal with from the Raptor series the year before. Um, Milwaukee only really looked great in one game. That's it. I guess that's the real frustrating part of losing 4-1 to them. But, I mean, the Magic shot horrendously in Game 2. From there, we just never really could collectively hit shots as we were just depending on guys who are not used to that much responsibility. Um, You know, it was more the Magic beating themselves than Milwaukee taking it to us. Did Clifford do things I disagreed with? Sure. But, I mean, realistically, there's just not much more Steve could have done that really you know, could have swung the series. I mean, if you're not hitting open shots, you can't do much more than, than you know, than that because you're not hitting open shots. So, um, you know, as we would come to find out, maybe the Bucks were overachievers this season as Miami then knocked them out of the playoffs. Then, the, I mean, it's the whole bubble effect as well. You know, it's there, there's so many factors that went into this, the end of this NBA season and, po- and then the postseason that, it's really kind of a one-of-a-kind thing, and maybe the 2021 uh, campaign is going to be another one-of-a-kind situation, as we'll talk about here in a bit. But, I mean, Miami made it to the finals, to my deep unhappiness, but thankfully, and it's funny, I have to thank the Lakers for it, but thankfully the Lakers beat them in the finals. Um, and it's still very weird that Dwight Howard is considered an NBA champion and that he won that championship in Orlando, uh, even if that was in a purple and gold jersey. So I don't know if you have any lingering thoughts on the Magic series that we lost to the Bucks, Benny? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me was the Vucevic redemption arc, um, which I think is also positive just in terms of flexibility for moving him where he was able to show his versatility and value um, in the playoffs. But I agree on the whole kind of not sure how much carryover there will be from that isolated bubble experience into whatever this new season is going to look like. It still won't look like a typical NBA season, um, especially with the quick ramp up coming. So um, really seemed like a mirror image kind of of last year's postseason run. And uh, I guess the other biggest takeaway is that's probably even in light of the injuries, that's that's the ceiling of this team as it's presently constructed, right? So that's um, it's it's a it's a decision point time for mm-hmm. for all of our um, front office people to to make a move in, in some kind of direction. Yeah, so I mean, the Magic and the NBA as a whole, they got out of the Disney World bubble with no one testing positive for COVID nineteen. So that's that's immense. You know, the entire plan was a huge success for Adam Silver in the league. Get, from a Magic fan perspective, look, our first-round playoff exit just kind of leaves you shrugging like, eh, we got to regroup, find a way to be better for this 2021 season because we're a team that's regressing or stationary now that Jonathan Isaac will probably be out the entire 2020-2021 season. Uh, I don't think this current Magic roster would get us into the playoffs, and that's a problem. So before we focus on the Wilhelm regime, Penny, let's talk about how you know this new basketball season is literally right around the corner. And you said it's it's being rushed in, and you're not wrong. It's being rushed in. To my surprise, the NBA and the NBA PA 
smoothly put together the 2020-2021 season start. Uh, you know, despite the players having to take a financial hit, I won't. We won't get into the details of that. If you want to know more, you can quickly read about that. Um, the season it's starting December twenty second instead of January or later. Um, they're starting before Christmas supposedly to salvage five hundred million dollars in revenue in doing so. And you know, once I heard that, you kind of knew that that would be the start date. Um, the playoffs should be done before the Olympics, so that's also a plus for Team USA purposes. Um, again, we're also assuming that Tokyo will be able to successfully host the Olympics during COVID-19, which we don't know how that situation is going to be come the summer, but they got to worry about that. The rest of the world's got to worry about you know their own situation right now. Um, the playoffs are set to start around late May, like around May 22nd, I think is when the playoffs would start. So usually the regular season, it goes from, you know, late October or early November to, you know, mid-April. So they're kind of spacing out what is going to be a 72, not an 82 game season. Uh, you're spacing out these 72 games to where playoffs start in, in around May 22nd, um, I think the reason why they didn't go shorter than the 72 game is to abide abide by those regional sports network contracts. Um, It's better for the players, and I think it's more enjoyable that the season is shortened from 82 to 72. In the future, I'd like to see that number be 60 or 66 permanently. Penny, what do you think of 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 those last few points I made? Anything that you agree or disagree on? Um, I, I think I'm trying to reckon with being a traditionalist for the sake of tradition versus what makes the most sense. So um, definitely after the bubble experience, uh, those playing games were pretty awesome. Um, so in terms of adjusting and shaking things up, I'd, I'd be open to, to a shorter um season moving forward i think it'll be interesting this year because it'll it'll be semi-normalized for 72. also i think that they're planning to have a little gap in the middle there's no all-star break of you know uh, festivities i guess this yeah. year plan um, but they are planning a little break in the middle just in case they need to make up games due to illness or cancellation mm-hmm. uh, which also i imagine is the reason they're stringing the start at the playoffs out until the end of May. Yeah. So everything, everything's going to be interesting. And I, you know, football and baseball have kind of pulled it off to this point, but it's still a large undertaking that the NBA is doing without the safety and security of the bubble. So I feel like everything's still going to be kind of wait and see, right? I mean, it's going to be really awkward and just really just interesting once that first positive COVID-19 case hits any type of NBA player, coach, whatever, staffer um, on one of these road trips or whatever in any type of game situation. You know, how how does the reaction occur? What's the isolation situation? What are the wait times? When do you cancel games? Like, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, we don't know what the schedule situation is going to be. I mean, we don't know anything. We don't know at all about how these how these games are going to be scheduled. Uh, they're all supposed to be played at every NBA team's home arena, so that's going to happen. Um, we're finding out that, I guess, five to ten NBA franchises, NBA teams, will have home fans in some capacity. So you got to adjust to that. Um, but... I mean, we're talking now, it's Monday night, November 16th, 
The draft is November 18th. The moratorium, uh, for trades at least, got lifted today, and trades have already started happening. Now, these are the first trades that have happened since February, so it's like some type of drug, you know, crack cocaine addiction where you're scratching yourself. Like, I need some trades, man. It's been 10 months, but or almost 10 months, I guess. Um, so that, that's been happening. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the draft is less than 48 hours away. It's, you know, Wednesday, November 18th. And then about less than 48 hours after that, you have uh, free agency starting Friday, November 20th. So it's, and then, you know, and that's what November 20th at 6 p.m. is when free agency kicks off. Signings can be done at 12.01 p.m., on I guess Sunday, November twenty second. So I mean, it's a super short moratorium period, which I'm a fan of. I was never a fan of, you know, having a week long or longer moratorium. You know, so um, I'm happy about that. Training camps open December first. Um, you know, Magic already have some other guys practicing at Amway Center. That includes free agents. Um, you know, that we don't know the answer to a couple of them right now. We found out today that Evan Fournier picked up his player option. Uh, which is going to be about $17, $17.2 million as a player option. Uh, we don't know about James Ennis, um, and then obviously we won't know about you know some of the free agents like DJ Augustine or Michael Carter-Williams uh, until this weekend. But, um, I mean, probably, the and you alluded to it before with the play-in stuff, but probably the biggest news is came from Woj a couple days ago saying that there's going to be playing games, not just for the eighth seed, but also for the seventh seed. So the way it's going to work is basically the seventh seed of, in each conference at the end of the regular season is going to play, you know, seven's going to play 10, the eighth seed's going to play nine, and it's going to be the same situation where the higher seed only has to win one game and the lower seed has to win two. Um, but they're, they're doing it. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Grizzlies Blazers playing stuff. I mean, playing game. It was, it was great TV. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Portland prevailed and they, the, the poor tired guys got slaughtered by the Lakers in the first round because they literally had nothing left in the tank. But, um, you know, the magic, they weren't the eighth seed this, this, this past season. Thankfully they were far enough in front of the wizards who were God awful and didn't bring anybody to the bubble. But, um, I had some nervousness for a, a, maybe a day or two that maybe the wizards could force a play in, but that, that never came close to happening. Um, but I don't want to get to a point with this playing stuff where the regular season grind just it 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 becomes irrelevant basically. To right. and then you know I guess there's that trade off where you're you're creating that urgency to I guess potentially coax bad teams from taking tanking. So I guess you know I, I guess there's just that balance that you got to find. Um, and they're gonna roll with it, and I mean that's the cool thing I guess about the NBA is they are willing to to be flexible with stuff, with not just you know the amount of games you play, but just certain rules like this. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think it may have an influence on a little tiny influence on the Magic's offseason moves. Um, but I mean I think you already agree that you're I, you're a fan of the play-in. Are you a fan of having both the seventh and eighth season each conference up for grabs? The 7th seed, uh, I'll have to wait and see how it goes. Um, but definitely, I think the 8th seed, it makes for um, compelling TV and a compelling end of the season. Yeah, I, I feel bad for some of the teams in the West because, I mean, the West is a bloodbath. The East is going to be better overall this season. But, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm the Magic and 
I'm thinking about getting of shaking things up or getting you know getting rid of maybe an Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier or whatnot or Terrence Ross. I'm looking at okay. I only even if we're the tenth seed, we could still make the playoffs. So even if you know we get rid of some of those veterans, depending on what we get back, and then depending on you know which guys potentially maybe overperform out of who we have on the roster, you 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 could still be a playoff team, and it's it's not ridiculously hard to be the tenth seed in the East. So I wonder if that's just a way to kind of coax the Magic to maybe like say, okay, maybe we should be open more to to deals and whatnot. I don't know if you agree with my thinking or not on that. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly <laughs> the way it'll shake out. Um, look, with the NBA bubble now, it had the hundred percent success rate. Um, it, from a safety point of view, it cost the league a ton of money. That's basically the reason why they don't want to do this again. Not just because they're not making money from the revenues of you know in stadium fans, in arena fans, but they they've spent you know a couple hundred uh, hundred million dollars on all the testing on you know basically reserving a good chunk of Disney World. So it's a lot of cost. The league, I mean, was looking around these past five months. They saw all the positive tests happening in the MLB, NFL, college athletics soccer internationally, etc. There's cases everywhere, and they saw, I think, two things that were important in my mind. No public outrage about players testing positive, or at least not enough to dissuade this from continuing. So, you know, most people didn't worry about safety. They were more mad about games being canceled or players not being available for games than their actual safety. And then two, no high-profile athlete or coach has, has died yet, which... That's very good in that regard. Um, we're finding out that there's lingering effects that we may not know, you know, even years down the line. But I mean, even right now, we got a player right now in Mo Bamba that's still got lingering effects of this. That's I don't know if it's causing issues with his lungs and that you know it's hurting his cardio or stamina or whatnot. But I mean, it's it's tough to get on Adam Silver in the league for looking around and being like. We've been taking the responsible route and sacrificed all these hundreds of millions of dollars while these other leagues just don't care. So fine, we want to make our money again now as well. So there's no more bubble. Again, there's going to be fans in arenas and and for about five to ten of the teams they see initially. Maybe Orlando's one of them. We don't know. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, you know, and they're going to do this even though, again, we don't know the short-term or the long-term implications of people testing positive. I mean... The worst case scenario is obviously death, but again, that that hasn't happened to a high-profile person yet, and I think that's why teams are just teams and leagues are just going with it. Um, I don't know your viewpoint on any of the stuff I mentioned, or if you had another opinion um, yourself, but um, I mean, look, it's going to require careful scheduling. It's still going to require careful travel arrangements, a whole lot of health protocol still. So we'll see how it goes. It, it'll probably go better. Well, I don't know because I mean M- MLB, these the, you know Major League Baseball is a big issue. I mean my Phillies were basically inundated because the Miami Marlins all had COVID like the first couple weeks of the season or whatnot. Um, and you know they don't touch each other. They're technically it's a fairly social distance sport. You know unless you know other than they share the same baseball basically, or if you're a catcher behind a player on the on the mound. That's about it. Um, 
So, I mean, there's there's a lot of social distancing going on in that sport. I mean, football is completely different. It's full contact, even though you're covered in sleeves and pads and whatnot. I mean, it's still full contact. Whereas basketball, it it could be a worse situation because, I mean, these guys are are, are, are are rubbing up against each other. They're posting up against each other. They're boxing each other out. So, I don't know if you got any thoughts to add to that, Penny. Well, yeah, the only thing I like more than watching TV is playing basketball. I haven't picked up a ball or played a game in 10 months and will not do it until there's a vaccine. But I think to your point, the the public perception is the biggest thing. Whatever, um, whatever credit um, or public boost the NBA got for pulling off the bubble, um, which they did you know, they got significant praise for doing it. And I think it certainly was praiseworthy, Um, but that dissipated pretty quickly. So I I think you make a very astute point that the public only cares that the entertainers are not entertaining them and not about the health and safety of the individual. But the counterpoint to that, I think, is that the NBA is a, a fraternity and, you know, there hasn't been a high profile death, but there has been a pretty significant death. And that's Carl Anthony Towns's mother passed away pretty early on in the, you know, pandemic. Breakout. Yeah. And I think his dad almost, you know, his dad was in pretty rough shape too. I mean, I mean, there's, there's other players that have had, you know, their fan, you know, family, they've lost family members, but I mean, that, that was the big one as far as, you know, do we even want to have, you know, a bubble happen? And, I guess it worked out for the league that the war, that the Timberwolves weren't a playoff team. So from, you know, a playing perspective, that factor wasn't involved. So um, I don't know if you did, you had another point to add to that. Well, I just I just think it'll be interesting to see every the the wheels could fall off right at mm-hmm. any point in time, depending on who is the one that potentially gets infected. True. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. So, um, all right, you ready to talk Waltman and Hammond, what they've done uh, since 2017? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, um, you can call them, you know, you can call them Weltham like I do. You can call them Weeham. You can call them whatever. Um, you know, they've had – so looking at when they came in to, uh, to power in late May 2017, they basically had less than a month to prepare for that 2017 draft. So we take Jonathan Isaac with the sixth pick. You know, Isaac is potentially, especially if he can get healthy and stay healthy, our best player on the roster. Would you agree with that, Penny? Yes. Um, okay. I mean, J.I., he's only 23 years old. He's missed here, – here's the, here's the tough part. You know, he's going to miss all next season, which means he'll only have played – 136 games in his first four years in the league so he will have missed more games than actually played basically um which is obviously not ideal um but he's an all nba defender if he can play close to a full season um you know the promising part of it all is his offensive progress that we briefly saw in the bubble he was making moves that we hadn't seen before that it, it it was really impressive, and until literally his knee gave out on him, I thought the Magic could actually cause a big stir in that in in whatever first round matchup they were going to have, whether if it was at the Bucks or the Raptors, you know, especially if you know Aaron Gordon and Michael Carter Williams were healthy as well or whatnot. But um, it just sucks that we're not going to have them. So with the twenty fifth overall pick that the Magic had, uh, the Magic took uh, Anze Pasetniks, um, but then quickly we traded him to Philly 
And thankfully, he hasn't really done much so far. Um, you know, he was with the Wizards last season, but that doesn't look too bad. Uh, we took Wessel Wondu in the second round, 33rd overall. Um, Penny, you know, I like Wondu. He's about to be 26 years old now, uh, but he's only been in the league three seasons. So he, he was, you know, I think he, was a, he had to have been a four-year guy at Kansas State. Um, he was, a, you know, a 37% three-point shooter last season. 34% this season, so he dropped a bit. But, I mean, he's been solid when he gets consistent playing time. I feel like I've been saying this for two years now. You know, and the problem is just Clifford isn't giving him just that those consistent minutes. It's just not happening. You know, he's an ideal 3 and D guy in my eyes with some just nice, fast break capabilities. Um, if the Magic, you know, extend, you know, sh- you know, shoot him a $2 million qualifying offer as he's, an, you know, as he's a free agent right now, you know, make him restricted this weekend and just see how, you know, how the brief free agency period plays out. I mean, do you want to, would you keep a one-do around for, you know, two million if he takes it? Um, I think there's no harm in, in extending the qualifying offer, but I also think that uh, he's had, even though he has been in and out of the rotation and you can put that on Clifford or you can put that on his development, I, I do think there's been ample opportunity for him to improve and, and show that he's belonging of a larger role. So uh, I think if he were to move on or the Magic were to cut bait, I definitely think a replacement-level player would be easily attainable. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I would be very unhappy if, if a one dude doesn't, if we don't shoot him the qualifying offer, at least make him restricted, and then... You know, depending on what money Wondu gets offered by us or elsewhere, we'll see how it plays out. But just give him the qualifying offer. Um, and then we took Ivan Robb with the 35th overall pick. Uh, we traded him to Memphis for a future second-round pick that we would end up not keeping. Um, Robb's out of the league right now, so no harm, no foul. Um, here are some notable guys from that draft. Uh, Marco Fultz went number one in that pick, so... Uh, we'll obviously discuss him later, but that was the Fultz draft. Donovan Mitchell went 13th. So, you know, we took Isaac 6th. Mitchell went 13th. Bam out of Bayou, 14th. He's been big with Miami. You know, Mitchell out of Louisville was huge. You know, has been huge for Utah. Kyle Kuzma was 27th. Derek White with the Spurs, 29th. Josh Hart, who is now a Pelican, went 30th. So I think overall, this draft ended up pretty well for us, even though I was not happy with giving away number 25 at the time. It worked out pretty well. Um, Any other thoughts about that draft? Um, For for short prep time, uh, I think it was a fair showing. Okay. Um, You'll like this now. So as the 2017 summer began and progressed uh we waived steven zimmerman so um i have no complaints with that i think it was a terrible pick from by rob hannigan and yeah I, that made perfect sense to get rid of him we signed Shelvin mack to a multi-year deal uh it's it wasn't good that he led us in assist per game for a season um just not ideal for what we were hoping from either you know a dj augustine or just anybody else in general I think the I think it was three point eight assists per game. That that number popped in my head. It, I might be wrong, but you never want your leading assist getter to have that few assists per game. Uh, we waived C.J. Watson and spread out the final million dollars of his contract over three years, which I found a little odd. But I mean, there's a reason salary cap wise they they did that. Um, 
We signed Jonathan Simmons from the Spurs for about $6 million per season. So that first season with us, um, you know, in 2017-2018, he was fine, I thought. He averaged about 14 points per game on 46.5% shooting from the field. It was then, though, that 2018 offseason and the injuries that he accumulated and tried to recover from that basically doomed him after that. Um, I mean, I'm not wrong with the Simmons thought on that, right, Penny? Um, I think that was a pretty big coup that we were able to sign him, and I agree. I think his uh, he brought something to the team that we didn't have at the time. The first year was pretty good, and then yeah, the wheels fell off after that. Uh, we then signed Mo Spades, Aaron Aflalo, second go-around for Aaron, and most importantly, I, Kim Birch. Uh, Spades was a one-year, low-risk guy. He hasn't played another NBA season since, which which was a little odd because he was only 30 years old here. Um, but it just he he wasn't that great for us. Um, I really liked him as a as a locker room guy, and he had a really good attitude about it. But um, yeah, it's yeah didn't work out for him. Aflalo averaged in uh, 16 and a half points per game and 18.2 points per game. His two seasons with the Magic before we shipped him out to Denver for Evan Fournier in 2014. So 13 and 14, Flalo was basically our leading scorer. Uh, we now here in 2017, we sign a 32-year-old Flalo to the one year, and he just struggled. He, he couldn't hit a shot for a while there. And then basically his only moment that I could think of was a pretty obvious one, but the most obvious moment when his second stint with the Magic was when he was throwing haymakers at Nemanja Bialica when we played the Timberwolves. Um, that YouTube video is it's still interesting to see. It's basically a man cracking, and Aflalo hasn't been in the league since, so it's, it's interesting because, I mean, he... He did good things his first stint. I mean, our team was terrible back then in 13 and 14, and then it just, he just couldn't get it together that second stint. stint. Um, and then we have Kim Birch. So Kim, who I'm obviously a big fan of. He's obviously still with us on the team. He's 28 years old now, but he's on a reasonable $3 million uh, per season contract that's going to expire after this you know, after the this upcoming 2020-21 season. I love Birch. Anybody that plays for Olympiacos, it's really tough for me to not like you if you didn't make it to the league. Um, but he sets amazing screens. He's probably our best screen setter still on the team. Uh, solid, just solid defensive center overall. Last season, I thought he got screwed over a lot by the coaching staff because we played him at power forward just way too much. Um, it wouldn't shock me if we trade him as a deal sweetener just to maybe force Mo Bamba to take on more responsibility. But Mo, if Mo's not healthy, then you need Birch. Um, what's your thoughts on Kim? I don't think he's going to get any better. I mean, he can't hit a jump. He's not a jump-shooting guy. And in that regard, you're just very limited. Yeah, he is who he is, right? But he, I think he definitely exceeded expectations and certainly worked himself into a very formidable uh, player on the roster. So... Everything that we've gotten out of him, I think, has been a bonus, and, and he definitely earned or, or over-earned the second contract the Magic gave him. Yeah, so all right, quickly on a few more of those minor transactions in the 2017 offseason. We waived, and feel free to jump in if you want to, but we waived Marcus George's hunt. We waived uh, whiteboard hero Patricio Garino, who was the final nail in Rob Hennigan's coffin. Uh, we signed uh, Troy Copain, Adrian Payne, which the Adrian Payne two-way contract just historically looks bad. Uh, Kalen Lucas, I mean, and 
Let's see, preseason god Damian Rudez had a bit of a run there where he literally made the team because he just couldn't miss in, in that preseason. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's about it. Then we get into G-Leaguers. So into the 2017-2018 season, Frank Vogel's team is 18-35 and 35 when we trade away Alfred Payton to the Phoenix Suns for a second-round pick we basically never end up using. Uh, Alfred managed to put up the same 10 points per game, seven assists per game, five rebounds per game, stats that he, that he had in Orlando. He managed to do that in Phoenix, New Orleans, and now currently with the Knicks that he's still with. Um, his teams have all struggled with him as a starter. The Magic, uh, you know, don't miss Alfred in my mind. It's, it's simple as that. And, I mean, he's still only like 25, 26 years old, which is the scary part. Um, and, I, I mean... It sucks that he just never panned out. He he could never, he could never really just develop any type of jump shot. And you know we we would have those March runs in a couple of his seasons here where he would be Mister Triple Double. And Alfred Payton has the most triple doubles in Orlando Magic history uh, by a large margin too. And it's it just sucks. I mean he he just never really we never could develop him. And I don't know if he had any other. Late, 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 uh, late thoughts on on Alfred with us. Um, it also sucks that we had to uh, give Philadelphia their first round pick back in order to move up and select him. Too. Yeah, that first time in 2010. Yeah, it, it was or in uh, 2014. Yeah, that that wasn't great from Hennigan and in hindsight for sure. Um, so well, uh, so Wellman and Hammond they fire Vogel in April 2018. Clifford gets hired on my birthday in late May of 2018. And so now we're in the 2018 draft. Uh, Wilhelm, they've had over a year, obviously, to prepare for this class. I will go to my grave believing the Magic could have and should have gotten Luka Doncic. Um, it, it, look, I, I, people have pushed against me on this, and I think they could have went and got him. But instead, you know, we stay at number six. We take Mo Bamba, who I would label at this moment as a bust, even though he's only 22 years old. He's got the, he's he's now dealing with this COVID nineteen situation, which that that just sucks for him because that screwed him in the bubble. He had a chance to really play big you know meaningful minutes in in the bubble and especially in that playoff series against Milwaukee, and he had that robbed from him basically because of this pandemic. And so you know, and physically, I mean, his body muscle wise and just being able to bang around. I mean, he was finally able to get to a point where he could be he could play 15 to 20 minutes a game at center. And so if we see him, you know, opening night, I hope we get to see him. But I mean, he has to show his two way progress. He has to be able to show that he can consistently knock down a jumper um, because that three point shooting is really going to be big for him because he doesn't have you know a post game really at all. And so. He needs to be able to hit his jump shot, and defensively, he's got to become the rock, you know, a rock for us defensively. Kind of like base, you know, not maybe a, as in a way as Jonathan Isaac is, because Isaac's just a beast defensively, but pretty similar to that, pretty close to that. Definitely a lot better than Vucevic. Um, he's making just under six million dollars on his contract this upcoming season. The Magic will probably exercise the, the 21-22 campaign team option that they have on him for seven and a half million dollars. Um, you would assume. I, I would be very shocked if they don't do it. If they don't do it, then maybe it is for health reasons, or maybe they just they, they have other plans to do with salary cap space. But 
Mo has to basically avoid being this decade's Andrew Nicholson, and you know he's he's just he's a very he's a smart guy, and I you can just see it sometimes on the court that he overthinks himself, um, you know while he's on the court. And I don't know what thoughts you got on Mo Bamba. I think the best stretch that he's had was pre earthquake in summer league. The second like that's his best on court stretch of ten minutes of his career. So and we stopped uh, playing him after that, you know. And this this year is uh, this year's obviously make or break, and it yeah, I think it needs to you know obviously I think the the shot blocking or rim protection seemed to get a little bit better last year, but. Um, the shot making has to come around this year. That's his differentiator. That's why we picked him. Um, you know, aside from the length, obviously, was the ability to put the ball in the basket. Um, and we need it from somebody. And uh, if it's not going to be from him, then I, I think we, we need to move on. Okay. So we took Melvin Frazier in the second round, 35th overall. I didn't care for the pick at the time, and I don't know now. He's he's just not good enough in my mind, and he'll probably be released this offseason unless the Magic are just desperate for cheap bodies, which they might be. Um, any Frazier thoughts quickly? No. Okay, that that's fine. Um, that Suns pick that we did get from the Alfred trade to Phoenix, we did use to draft Jared Vanderbilt. Um, he hasn't shown, shown much in the NBA for multiple teams so far, but we did deal him to Denver for Justin Jackson, the Maryland Justin Jackson, uh, who just never could get healthy, didn't show much in Lakeland, and now he's playing pro ball in Canada. So bye-bye to Justin Jackson. Uh, so notable names from the draft. I already mentioned Luka Doncic. He went to three to Atlanta. Trey Young went fifth to Dallas. They swapped picks. Again, I really think the Magic could have gotten Luka. Whatever. I, I got I to gotta deal with that. For in, in my fandom forever. Um, so, guys after Bamba, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander going 11th. I mean, that was a guy that the Magic were potentially rumored to be thinking about getting, or if not, at least maybe trade back to get him. Um, Michael Porter Jr., 14th. Uh, Orlando Local, Anthony Simons, 24th. Um, looking at that 35th pick that the Magic used on Frazier, you look a little bit behind him. Gary Trent Jr. went 37th overall, who in hindsight is probably who they should have taken because he's looked good for Portland. Uh, and mm-hmm. NBA champion Costas Adetokounmpo is, was 60th. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on 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 any of the Doncic stuff I said or, or anything from who you maybe have wanted in, in that draft. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the, everyone was aware of the – the prowess of Luca, um, and it seemed like there was a pathway to get up there. So um, it's, that's frustrating, especially given his uh, immediate rise to stardom in the league. Yeah, um, Weltham waved Shelvin Mack before the 2018 free agency began. So cool, awesome. <laughs> I have no complaints with that. So we signed then Aaron Gordon to his front-loaded contract of four years, $76 million. Uh, we get to have the Aaron Gordon conversation now. So he just turned 25 years old. His best basketball for about a dozen games came after the All-Star break and before the COVID-19 shutdown. You can disagree or not with me on that, Penny. Um, and then in the bubble, Kyle Lowry just took him out with a, just a dirty foul, and we haven't seen him since on the court yet. Um, AG set to make $18 million this upcoming season, and then $16.4 million 
in 2021-2022. So his contract is very reasonable, I think, and can you know he can be a big help to a playoff contender trying to make a, a leap, I think. Um, you know, even maybe you know championship aspirations, but he's young, and I definitely would like to keep him. But it really comes down to two factors for me: one, does Aaron Gordon want to be here, or would he rather be on the West Coast? Um, it just depends on you know what you know. Are, are the Magic going to get rid of guys like Fournier uh, and Ross? Um, are they going to try and I don't even want to say rebuild, but maybe retool? You know, spend like a year or two trying to retool. Um, and, and see what you got out of your young core. Um, and then two, does the front office and coaching staff believe that Isaac and Aaron can work together? Um, you know, you knew that AG this upcoming, or you know that this AG this upcoming season um, is going to be pretty valuable to have because we don't have Isaac. Like Aaron Gordon's going to be the starting power forward um, if he's on this roster. And But I do think that, Isaac, especially with his expanded offensive game, um, can work together at power forward and small forward. You know, I've always had the thought that, you know, Aaron can be the, you know, offensive power forward, you know, defensive small forward, and Isaac can be the offensive small forward and the defensive power forward. And my mind hasn't changed in that, in that regard on that. Uh, but if you don't believe that, if you're the Magic front office, do you then say you know trade maybe Vooch by you know between now and next year or ask Vooch to start thinking about taking on a six man role and then just see if you have then Isaac and and Aaron sharing you know set center of power forward duties like it's you know we're trying to go away from position as basketball and you know if you really want to go small ball having your two big men be Aaron and, and Isaac definitely quickens the pace in that regard even though Vooch is my guy. I want to keep Vooch uh, until something better comes along um, at a minimum. He's not an alpha guy offensively. He's very ideal to being almost like a Pal Gasol second guy. I mean, you look at Pal Gasol's numbers in Memphis, I think, and I mean, they're pretty similar actually to what Vooch has done in Orlando, surprisingly. And it wasn't until Pal made the move to the Lakers that you know he got to play against you know Kobe Bryant you know, next to Kobe Bryant as the wingman. And if Vooch could could be the wingman to a, a, a star, I think that team could be a championship contender potentially. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on Aaron Gordon and kind of the stuff I, I said on that? Um, yeah, again, it's going to be interesting this year in light of uh, the injury to Jonathan Isaac, right? I mean, the, the, <laughs> the opportunity... It changes there. everything. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I, it's sad to say, but the jury's still out. We just don't know if the do you, do you bet do you double down on development for both of them and make them work where it's a flip flop of the three and the four and really kind of positionless basketball? Are they going to continue to get better? They're still young enough to improve, or do you feel like you've seen enough and uh, you move him? But what do you move him for? So. Um, the, <laughs> A grade to answer those questions is higher than where I'm at, but uh, to me, I, I'm starting to sour on him. I certainly don't think that he would be willing to accept a bench role. I also don't think that... Uh, well, I meant Vucevic, not Aaron. Sorry. I, I, I didn't mean either, that. Neither one of them, I don't think, would accept a bench role here. 
Yeah, uh, true. Somewhere else with you know a more formidable roster, but, right? So, um, the, you know, I I don't know. I I think it comes down to how you feel generally about where the team is at right now, and do you make a move just to make a move? Because it it certainly seems like with Aaron Gordon as you know one B the the ceiling has been reached he he hasn't seemed to crack the code on how to unearth all of his talent yeah i mean i don't know you can i don't know if you can think of a of a better stretch but like i said i think that that dozen or so games that he had after the all-star break after he got fucked over again in another dunk contest um and then before the covid-19 shutdown was his best basketball he'd ever played like he was figuring right. out assists I, I don't know do you know of a better stretch than that cuz i don't well, I think last year he was pretty good as a playmaker, um, but but his best overall stretch for sure, yeah. Um, so, in that regard, if I'm the Magic and he wants to be, he wants to go somewhere else. He wants to go, you know, be on the West Coast and and, and whatnot. Um, you know, in that regard, I would I, his value is at an all time high in my mind. It's not low; it's at an all time high. Again, the injury that he suffered was a bullshit, dirty foul. That's got nothing to do with his health. Um, he he's in, he's a remarkable athlete. He he keeps in, his, himself in outstanding shape, and I want to I want him here. I do, but it's up to him. And it, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's also up to the front office decision makers. But I mean, I, I think that's something that they they want to know with Aaron. Like, hey, you know, if we get rid of you know a couple of the vets here, are you going to be okay if if you know, if you're here kind of maybe as the, as the main guy, maybe for a year and hopefully, you know, hopefully not, but I'm just kind of, you know, spitballing at this point, but, um, you know, the rumors are more rampant than ever. And it seems like, you know, it, it supposedly seems like we're going to trade Aaron, even though Welt, uh, Weltman, who usually isn't definitive on stuff, really wanted to emphasize that a lot of the rumored calls and a lot of the rumored just news that was out there about Aaron was categorically false, which he usually doesn't definitely come out like that. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, I'd rather ship out Fournier and, and Ross than, than Aaron. That's kind of where I'm at because um, at least with Fournier and Ross, like those guys have, bring enough value that you can make some pretty good updates and changes to your team if you do it right. So, um that's where I'm at with Aaron. Like I want him here. So, um, anyway, so then Welt, uh, so yeah, Weltham then signed Isaiah Briscoe, who I thought was a great guard for us. And then just the poor guy wrecked his knee. Um, if he stayed healthy, he's probably still on this Magic team. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I I, I like the 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 backup guard minutes that he gave us um, at that time. And now he's you know he's a bodega owner I think in New York. So congrats on that. Uh, but it just sucks that his that his NBA career got cut short because of injury. Um, and then, oh boy! So July eighth, twenty eighteen, we have the three team deal where we sent Bismack Biombo and uh, a second rounder that we got from the Jared Vanderbilt deal that I mentioned a little bit ago, and then um, a tw- also a twenty twenty second round pick to the Hornets. We get Jaron Grant from the Bulls, who I think you agree Jaron Grant was horrible for us. Um, and then cheerleading God, Timothy Mozgov from Charlotte. Um, yeah, I have no, I have nothing positive to think of with Jerry and Grant. I mean, 
good good upbeat character. The effort was there, but just not a good basketball player. And then Mozgov never played a second for us. the worst stretch between Jerry and Grant and Chris Duhon? Like, at least with Duhon, you got the travel dance out of his tenure. Yeah, and it got it got bad with him after that um, for off-court issues as well. But, um, yeah, so Mozgov never played a second for us, and he hasn't since in the NBA. Um, you know, both he and Biombo got Albatross contracts back in 27, 2016. Mozgov with the Lakers, Biombo with us. Again, thank you, Rob Hennigan, I guess. And it was a relief that we could ship out Biz and then eventually dump Mozgov's money as it's just a slow, you know, erasing of, of a bad Hennigan mistake. Um, you know, what worked out earlier this year, um, actually early last season, I guess, was the NBA did write off basically write off Mozgov's um 16 million dollars that were still on on our salary cap over a couple more years because of uh this you know career ending injury application that we applied for that they gave to us because again Mozgov hasn't played basketball since so um so that was good we we got off the money quicker than we even thought um and then we signed a couple you know we signed Emil Jefferson um very underwhelming, very undersized, just very limited. Um, we do a couple minor trades. I mean, we trade Tyler Harvey, who I'm still sad never panned out. Um, and Dakari Johnson, we, we traded them to Memphis for uh, the underrated Jarrell Martin. And, uh, you know, we're making these cash consideration type trades uh, at this time and just making salary cap moves. But anyway, so Clifford's first season gets going, 18-19, and we don't get another big move until February 7th of 2019 when we're 22-32. At the time, it did not look like we were on our way to making our first postseason appearance since Dwight left uh, back in 2012. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is where we do the Jonathan Simmons trade. We trade... Simmons, a 2019 second round pick who does become uh, what is now Boston Celtics guard Carson Edwards uh, and a heavily protected 2020 first rounder that didn't convey to the 76ers for Markel Fultz. So this Fultz deal, I mean, Fultz doesn't play the rest of that 18-19 season, obviously, but the Magic just catch fire and finish off the season 42-40. and 40. To go from 22-32 and 32, to 42 and 40 it's I, I still can't believe we did that honestly but we made the playoffs um the deal we all thought was pretty good at the time because Simmons had basically lost any form he had his first season with us I mean he was terrible off the bench you know as a starter and off the bench for us in in the 2018-19 campaign he ended up making the Sixers worse um which sucks for them and, I mean, it's looking outstanding now, this trade, because Fultz, you know, he looked great overall in his 2019-2020 season. We got the number one overall pick basically for nothing. And I I just think, I mean, this has been the big Welt Hammond, and, and, uh, Hammond move so far. I mean, what are your thoughts on Fultz? I think from a ceiling perspective, people are saying they don't think he can be an all-star. I disagree. I think the kid is just getting his confidence back. And this last season that he just went through, he, you know, he hit a rookie wall for a bit there. He looked, you know, he went through some growing pains in the playoffs, but he showed moments in the playoffs, especially that game one. He took it to Eric Bledsoe. Um, I think this kid can be very good. And I would not 
see, I would not put any limitations on him at this time. What are your thoughts on Fultz? Yeah, he definitely brings a playmaking dimension that the Magic really haven't had to that degree for the entirety of their rebuild. Um, And then also I think that there's a confidence level and an attitude that's not necessarily shared by anyone other than uh, perhaps misplaced with Evan Fournier. So um, I think the, you know, he's... The feeling is not even close to being scratched. Um, yeah. And I think this year will be, uh, again, I mean, for everybody and for the whole organization, but I think this year is a, a really important one when, when you're making a decision on what to do with him and, and trying to project the, the outlook of his career long term. So after the Fultz t- deal, March 15, 2019, we signed Michael Carter-Williams to a 10-day contract, then another one before we signed him for the rest of the season after we waived the injured Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, MCW is a Clifford favorite. He might be a Magic fan favorite now. It's really tough night to like what he brings at his price. He's 29 years old now. He's again a free agent. I doubt we'll be able to keep him at $2 million. Maybe, you know, $3, 4000000 million. I would actually do that probably at that price. Just take a piece of our mid-level exception and give it to him. Um, if you're going to let DJ Augustine walk, MCW definitely has to stick around in my mind. He's a defensive and hustle beast. He's able to push the ball up the court, and he's been an improved rim finisher. He even showed some jump shooting ability uh, after the All-Star break. Like he was, he, was, he was scoring like 17, 18 points per game for, for a little stretch there. And... You know, maybe he is a better shooter now. I mean, Jason Kidd could do it. Why not him? But um, we'll see. We definitely missed him in the Buck series. And I like MCW. What are your thoughts? Because he definitely say, you know, was a big reason why we were when we finished that 18-19 season, 42-40. and 40. Yeah, he's certainly uh, the reason that we made the playoffs two years ago. And uh, the little stretch of basketball he played before the bubble was was fun to watch. I'd be surprised if he got more than the minimum from anybody. So I would also be surprised if he ends up on anyone else's roster other than ours for this upcoming season. Yeah, we'll see. So, all right, we're, we're almost done. We're looking at last year's draft now, 2019. The Magic take Chumo Kiki 16th overall. You know, he, he, so, he, you know, he had the ACL surgery on his left leg that he suffered, uh, I believe, in the Sweet 16 with Auburn. Um, if, had he not been injured, he probably would have been a top 10 pick. You know, he got drafted when he was still 20 years old. He's now 22 years old. He just signed his, his rookie contract finally today, uh, after, you know, not, not being signed to a contract last season, he's going to make a little over $3 million, I believe. Um, and it'll, you know, it'll go up here and there, but this is going to look like a really good move if Chuma becomes anything decent. Uh, I mean, it's. It's a, it was it was a, it was deemed a risky pick at the time just because the Magic weren't getting anyone that could immediately help them out. But you know, by all accounts, Okiki was probably good to play since March when the pandemic hit. Like he might have actually been, you know, he, uh, he was already practicing with Lakeland, and he's on a short learning curve now because we don't even know if there's going to be a G League season, uh, a G League season. You know, I'm thinking not. You know, the NBA is going to be spending so much money trying to get you know keep the league you know, just operating that, who knows, you know, I'd be surprised if there's a G League season. We'll see. We're going to find out. But, you know, again, Okiki's 22 years old. He's going to have 
a short training camp. He's going to have a short preseason to get acclimated with teammates and show what he can do. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see if Okiki, you know, is is you know, small forward, power forward. How much is he going to be able to create for himself? Um, but I'm excited about the guy. I, I can't wait to see him. I don't know if you got any thoughts for him other than just to say, hey, I can't wait to see him because I, I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's just intriguing. It's like the magic. Uh, it's another first round pick coming in and, and deferred. So yeah. we, we a couple of new fresh faces this season, which will be fun. I'd be curious to see it, it, how how the betting odds are on him potentially winning rookie of the year. That that'll be interesting. But um, okay, so we took Talon Horton, uh, a Tucker, forty sixth overall, and then trade him to the Lakers for a twenty twenty second round pick and two point two million in cash. So I mean, we, we like getting cash back with some of these picks, but um, obviously it's too early to judge any of these twenty nineteen guys. So I'm not even going to mention names right now. July 6, 2019, we signed Al Farouk Aminu to the full mid-level exception. He's making $9.7 million uh, this upcoming season. Chief, which is a solid nickname to have. Chief is 30 years old. Hopefully, his legs are healthy because right now, this move just does not look good at all. Um, he shot 25% from three-point uh, from three point range in his 18 games for us last season before... Um, he had the injury, and then he had the setback to trying to recover from his leg injury. Um, just horrendous rim finishing that honestly just negated any positives that we got from him defensively. And he's going to be relied on a lot because you know this upcoming season if if he's still on the roster because there's no Jonathan Isaac. If he's not starting, he's definitely going to be back you know a, a backup getting probably 20 minutes per game if he's healthy. Um, but you know, whatever three point pro- shooting progress Aminu had made at Portland, that didn't carry over to Orlando. And maybe, maybe it had to do with being in a new situation. We'll see. But Aminu's got a lot, a, a lot of uh, magic fan minds to, to turn around. I don't know about your thoughts on Chief. Yeah, whatever locker room benefits there were were completely uh, <laughs> drowned out by the on-court performance. So hopefully he's healthy and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, people rave about how, how good of a locker room guy he is. I mean, I wouldn't guess it, um, but apparently he's really, really a really good locker room guy. And especially if you say bye to DJ Augustine, who the whole team loves just being, if not, you know, a good guy just he's the funniest guy in the team he's he's a, a very entertaining guy so if you have a if you so chief may have to shoulder more locker room responsibility we'll see but you know further along in the 2019 offseason we signed Nikola Vucevic to a four-year 100 million dollar front-loaded contract Magic fans cried bloody murder after the bad Raptors playoff series only to then see Vooch get that money um you know Vooch he he, he was an all-star that that season you know, it's in his it's his only All Star team so far. But I mean, he's making twenty six million this coming season, then twenty four, and then it's going to finish off at twenty two million. He's actually living up to this contract so far in my mind. Um, you know, last season he, he he had that that decent start in November where he well, it wasn't even a decent start. He had that stretch in November where he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and then he got injured in that Raptor game. And then he didn't really find his form again until basically after the All-Star break. But from the All-Star break on, and then in the bubble, and especially in the playoff series against Milwaukee, he was, this is maybe the best we've ever seen Vucevic, in my mind. So, 
he's he's you know he's a year into his contract so and this four year contract but you know we're going we're coming up to year 2 now of it but so far it's looking pretty good in that regard um not that a lot of nba teams will pay a center 25 million dollars per year but just from pure production you know he's you know a 2010 guy on on good nights with you know the chance to throw out you know seven assists or whatnot you know he's a triple double threat on a on a poor Nikola Jokic scale in my mind, but um, you know, like I said, he's he's been our best player since Dwight Howard left. Um, overall, just overall statistics, and I mean longevity figures into that, but just even talent wise, he's been our best player since Dwight Howard left. And you know, I already said it before, but for the Magic to be a successful team, Vooch can't continue to be the number one scoring option. And I'm sure you know Nick himself knows that he he has to. He's 30 years old. He his game thankfully doesn't rely on athleticism, so he can age gracefully, kind of like the Gasol brothers have overall. And you know until the Magic send him away, Vooch is our best player that we have. His three point shooting continues to get better, and his team defense is still respectable in my mind. And the playmaking abilities that he offers at that center position are pretty highly valuable when the Magic lack, you know, certain playmaking abilities in other positions or other depth spots on the team. So unless you get a respectable trade offer for him, which doesn't seem likely, be likely because again, most teams are very leery to give that much money to a center or to pay a center that much in salary. It's probably in the Magic's best interest to keep him in my mind. And just, just ha you know, hopefully he ages well, and we'll see after he's done, you know, with with that twenty-two million dollars in his last year of his contract, can he then? Though, does he want to still stick around for the rest of his NBA career on a cheap, you know, on a respectable contract? We'll find out. But, you know, I'm sure when when Weltham, you know, was were evaluating Vooch in that eighteen nineteen season, they probably didn't expect him to be an All Star, and then they they probably uh, they didn't expect that. They probably didn't expect that he, you know, would resoundingly appear to be the Ma the Magic's best player, and so they thought it was, you know, they 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 obviously rewarded him with the four years, a hundred million dollars, but they probably went into that season not thinking hey, they'd give him that. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on Vooch? Do you still want him on the team, Penny? Yeah, I mean, in the same way that it's not Evan Fournier's fault that we require him to do so much, it's not Vucevic's fault that he's the best player on the roster and has been for, for the last seven years. He's, he's talented. He's skilled. He's a good guy. Um, he's going to end up being uh, in the top 10 or top five in a number of franchise categories stat wise. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, you know, it's a function of longevity, but it's also a function of skill. Um, and I don't think you're going to get equal value in doing anything with him. And I think, again, you read the room and you talk with him and his representation, but uh, this is a guy that hopefully you, you know, you play him and then he wants to be here and kind of phase out and go into a reserve role moving forward because I, I just don't think there's equal value out there in any kind of deal. Yeah. Um, also on that day, uh, or, or around that time in July 2019, that's when we waved Mozgov again. The Magic basically got off. Seven, you know, sixteen, seventeen million dollars of his contract money, thanks to the career-ending injury application that was processed by the league. Um, Wilhelm didn't trade for him, but uh, with T. Ross, they ended up giving him that new contract after a great six-man season. 
Four years, fifty-four million dollars. Um, Ross, unfortunately, though, in this past season, nineteen twenty, Ross regressed, and he's still a great shooter. But the Magic are at are needing stuff from him that he can't offer, and Ross is, you know, he's going to turn thirty years old this upcoming season. He makes he's going to make thirteen point five million dollars. Then 12.5, and then it's going to finish at 11.5 million in the 2022-2023 campaign. It's a good contract if you're a title contender looking for another shooter who has the athleticism to hold his own on both ends of the floor. I don't want to see Ross on this roster come December. I just think that you got to deal him now while you can still get something reasonable for him. Um, you know, because again, he's. I, I don't see much of a recovery from the 40 point, you know, from 40.3% field goal percentage or 35% three-point percentage because that's what he shot last season. And I don't think he's going to get back to that six-man status again. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on Ross? Should we try and cash in on him or, or and ship him out? Or what do you think? Yeah, it's tough because there's just, you know, again, it's a function of the roster construction that there's just no help uh, in that second unit offensively where, you know, there's it's tough for him to get any sort of daylight for any sort of clear shot. But um, I, I agree there, too. I think uh, we, we paid him based on um, his career performance, you know, career year. And uh, there is value there, and I think it's time to probably shuffle the deck, and, and that's a piece that you can ship out and maybe take a flyer on a on a younger guy, mm-hmm. um, and still fill that that void in terms of scoring and and uh, offense off the bench this season with somebody else. Uh, everything else like Josh Majette is mostly G League fringe stuff until we get to January when Isaac has his bad injury on New Year's Day. We signed Gary Clark to a few 10-day contracts and then keep him the rest of the season. We give guys like B.J. Johnson, Vic Law their NBA chance. Uh, Gary's obviously guy with the best long-term chances here. He's 26 years old but has only played two NBA seasons. We know he's a solid defender. You know he shot 35% from three in the Bucks series and his 24 regular season games with the Magic. Um, he's a free agent. It wouldn't shock me if a few teams gave him a call for services. We'll see. Um, February 6th, we traded a 2020 second rounder, to, uh, which was the, that Lakers pick, uh, to Philly for James Ennis, and we waived Emil Jefferson. It was a good move at the time. Can't complain with what he with Ennis has done overall. I like James's spirit. Um, he's, his three point shooting wasn't good in his 20 regular season games with us. It was just, you know, about 25, uh, from three in the buck series. And this is 30 years old. He has a $2 million player option with us that as of the recording of this podcast, we don't know if he's going to pick it up or not. I'd be surprised if he did, because it's basically the vet minimum for him. If he declined it, um, our salary cap situation is so limited. I, you know, I don't know if we can even offer him that much more, but Again, it depends on who we bring back, um, but you know you can't bring back all of Wundu, Michael Carter Williams, Clark, and Ennis. Two of those guys, maybe three of them. Um, I don't, I, I don't know which. You know, out of Wundu, MCW, Clark, and Ennis, which of those guys would you want back, Penny? Or do you think we should? Um, bring I think back? Ennis was the most productive and has the most versatility, but uh, he also wanted out of Philadelphia due to role constraint and. Um, with, 
you know, people coming back from injury, I think his role diminishes here. So probably the one that makes the most sense is taking another flyer on a Gary Clark and stashing him at the end of the bench in case of emergency. Yeah. So that's the Weldham regime so far for you. I mean, they've, they have to make some first-time big decisions about Fournier, who did pick up his his player option for seventeen million dollars. But do you trade him? You know, do you just let the year play out? We'll, you know, who knows? And then you have a thirty-three-year-old DJ Augustine. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I would I would let Augustine go and let either MCW or bring in somebody else to handle backup point guard duty. But we'll see. Um, you know, I I prefer to trade Fournier, even though we've made we've asked him to maybe do too much. We've also asked him, I think, to defer maybe to teammates more, and he hasn't done that either. Um, he's not a good clutch guy, and I I think I I would like to break up the the Vooch Fournier duo a little bit. I I love Vooch. Vooch plays well with others, but for some reason, when Fournier is on the court with Nick, Evan just does not want to defer to other guys as much as he'd like to defer to Nick, and that just kind of limits you offensively a little bit so I think you got you can trade Evan now he's he's young enough he's 28 you you can get something some something potentially good for him um but I mean Weldham they've overall been pretty good about getting fringe guys you know look at Briscoe Birch MCW Clark but there's there's a lot of met in there as we've kind of went through there and they've had one big talent prospect you know slash incoming acquisition in the Markel Fultz trade which was a very proactive move, and it's been kind of the only big big get so far. So now they've got to really mold this roster in year four. If they can't get a big alpha talent, you have to dump a few of your high-salary veterans and just get young prospects with high ceilings. And, you know, this is the season to, to not be a, a, a playoff team, in my mind. It's a December to May season. It's the shortest season it, it'll be since the 2011-2012 lockout season. And you could sneak into the playoffs as a 10th seed now, you know, as we talked about earlier. So we also have to think about contract extensions for Isaac and Fultz. Do you do it now? You don't have long-term worries about, or, you know, if you don't have long-term worries about Isaac, you can probably lock him in at a reasonable price. Do you let the season play out in Fultz's case and wait for restricted free agency? What do you think on, on Fultz and, and Isaac contracts situation? Um, I think Isaac, you would take a flyer on if the price was right. I would be real hesitant at locking Fultz into something until you see a little bit more from him and his play to start this season. Yeah, I mean, both are going to be restricted. I mean, Isaac, I think you can get him on a bargain, and I, I, I agree. I think you got to just wait it out with Fultz. Um, but it would, I wouldn't be mad if they extended him. Again, Fultz has had his career rejuvenated here, so who knows what, what that money situation's like. So we're, we're going to find out, but... Um, Maybe the Magic will get some salary cap relief for Isaac's, you know, $7.3 million. We're going to find out. But the Magic don't have much cap room, like, at all. I mean, they're at about $105, $106 million if you don't count Isaac's, you know, Isaac's money. Um, and I'm not even including the $3 million for Okiki. So you're looking at, you know, basically, God, it's... It's not. It's 113 million, or sorry, 115, 116 million if you count Isaac and Okiki with the other, you know, eight guaranteed contracts we have right now. Which, again, the salary cap it's about 109 million dollars. Luxury tax is 132 million. I mean, the, the Voss family are not cheap. We can happily say that. But um, 
you know, do if if you're rebuilding, do the Magic need to get down to 109 million? You know, we'll see how that plays out. But um, you want let's talk about let's talk about some offseason stuff that that's rumored and what we may want to do or not. Um, I'll go quick with this, but Oladipo. I don't care for him. I would not bring him back. I don't think it's happening on both sides. Also, the recent news of him basically asking other teams, you know, players to join their franchise. It's just, it's not a good look to do that when you're still a pacer. I don't care about Oladipo. What about you? No, and including the fact that he had the Knicks on his list. So Yeah, that too. So, all right, Russell Westbrook. We got to get into this because Vegas has him with like the second best odds of ending up in Orlando somehow. But I like Russ. I can be talked into Russ. You know, he can be a number one option. He can be an alpha. Now, it's not going to be efficient scoring, but he's not afraid to have that pressure, to have that spotlight. And he wants to leave, likely leave Houston and have that spotlight to himself. He didn't like his time with Harden, it looks like. But... Um, I, I just, I still wouldn't do it just because he's 32 years old and any explosive point guard that depends a lot on his athleticism, once they get past 30, it, it very rarely works out. So, I mean, he's 32 years old. Um, I would let, a, you know, the other teams like Charlotte or, or a New York team or, you know, go and get them. Um, but the magic, they would need to deal, you know, Aaron Gordon, uh, Fournier, and then one of Aminu Abamba to make the money work. Or if you really want to get adventurous and set stuff on fire, you can trade Vooch and Fournier for for Westbrook. But I mean, look, a Fultz Westbrook uh, backcourt it could be fun some nights. I I don't know, but unless Markel dramatically improved his three point shooting in this what three month span that he's had off, it's basically kind of a rich man's version of an Oladipo Elford backcourt from back in the day, and that's just limiting. Um, if I was uh, Wiltman Hammond, I mean, if they do this, they're basically out of moves for their new future. You're immediately forfeiting the 2021 free agency period. Um, you're then trying to do stuff with trades and minimum, con- you know, minimum contracts at that point. And you're also admitting that you don't trust Markel Fultz's growth as much moving forward. Maybe you know, you can spin it that Fult- that uh, Westbrook is a distressed all you know asset. He's an All NBA perennial all-star talent that they've always wanted to obtain you know he was injured and got COVID-19 before getting into the bubble he didn't have enough time to rest or shake off the rust so that's why he struggled in the playoffs um because he was rolling in January he was absolutely phenomenal with the Rockets you know around January 2020 um the Magic would again be depending on a 32 year old to keep them you know keep the fans happy to keep a Keep keep us entertained, basically keep us afloat for, you know, two years as as the youth develops, and that's just tough. I don't know. If it, it, I, I I highly doubt that would work, and, you know, would I be mad if we did that trade? I, I, I would honestly say no, but I I just, I just would not do that, and, it's not a move that would elevate the Magic franchise above, say, the seventh seed in the East, unless Weltham can perform other astounding deals. And so, you know, a 34-year-old Russ making $46.6 million in the 2022-2023 season is a scary pill to potentially swallow. What are your thoughts on Russ? Yeah, you're scared about another meniscus tear or something really derailing the rest of his career once you're committed to that kind of money. 
Um, I agree it'd be something to watch. We haven't had a lot to, to get excited about watching the, for the last nearing a decade, um, but I don't know that Russ on his own would necessarily move the needle. So to cash in your chips for that asset probably isn't the right play for this organization at this time. Okay. Would you trade Aaron Gordon in, number, in our number 15 pick to move up into the draft? I would not. Not for this year. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to trade Aaron, you're going to want another draft pick. And I actually think this draft class is underrated. But um, would you trade Mo Bamba to the Boston Celtics for two very late first-round picks? This is the Bill Simmons special. I say no way. I would assume you agree. Mm, yeah, probably not. I'll see what Mo does this Like, year maybe too. if they offered number 14, I'd think about it. But this is, like, late first-rounder. So, I mean, um, anyway. So, would, would you trade... So... Yeah, so here I had a couple tra- uh, play a uh, couple trade scenarios. Would you trade T. Ross to Portland for Anthony Simons, Trevor Ariza's twelve point eight million dollar expiring contract? Would you do that? Yes. Okay, I think Portland would actually do that, and you know the time the window is very small with Lillard and McCollum. Um, Golden State they have that seventeen point two million dollar trade ex- exception that expires on November twenty third. That's about a million short of swallowing up Aaron Gordon's salary, but it's enough to cover Evan Fournier. So um, I would be curious to see if Golden State would would take Fournier for that, and if maybe the would you do it if say Golden State they won't offer number two. That's not going to happen. But would you do it for maybe like a top ten protected first round pick? Uh, I mean, yeah. Would would you would you get a yeah for sure? I would do it. I don't know if. With if Weltham would do it, that's I don't the thing. See how that does anything to help Golden State necessarily? Yeah, um, and that, that's about all I had because I mean, with the Aaron Gordon stuff, the teams out west that want him, they don't. Re- most of them would have to do a three or four team trade to acquire him because they just don't have enough nice nice pieces that would make it worth it in my mind. I had come up with a Gordon to Phoenix idea, which immediately got nixed because of the Chris Paul trade that happened today. So. Uh, Penny, I'm going to let you go. I can't wait to, to continue with you know, with this after the draft. We'll see what type of moves we make. Um, but I'm going to continue with the uh, with the draft stuff. But, um, you know, I'm also going to share my, my wish list. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if you got any final thoughts for the draft or what you really want to see from either free agency. I don't know if you got any final thoughts. I'd like to make Jeff Turner happy and draft a Vanderbilt Commodore, I think, this year in the first round. That's that's my parting shot. Neesmith is very high on my list, as I'll, I'll talk about in a bit. But I appreciate it, buddy. I'll talk to you after the draft, okay? All right. Let's have a good one. See you, bud. So before I just kind of go over my draft prep, um, you know, here, here's kind of my wish list of what I want. I want to deal away T, you know, T. Ross to a contender for picks and or promising talent. Like, you know, that Portland Anthony Simons trade sounds great to me. I like I like local kids a lot of times, and I think Simons in Orlando would be pretty awesome. I want to deal away Fournier to a contender for picks and or promising talent. Similar situation with Ross. I again, Golden State would might be tempted to do that with their trade exemption because I don't know if they're going to be able to get much better for that. Um, I would like to send out Aminu, but his value is so low right now, it's not happening. And we actually probably need the power forward depth right now, depending on you know how you view Okiki and 
and what happens with Aaron Gordon. I want to keep AG. I want to keep Gordon around. You know, that's the guy you have to maximize return on or this regime is screwed. Um, you know, then, then, then you would just start the firing clock at that point. Um, I would let Augustine walk. I can see him signing with Brooklyn to be with his friend, Kevin Durant. Um, I, 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 I just, I don't have, I don't see a, a reason why you would have a 33 year old you know, point guard on this team, especially if he's expecting to have a, a good chunk of minutes, which Augustine doesn't think he's done. And I, I don't think he's done, but I don't think he's suitable for this team anymore moving forward. Um, I would re-sign a one-do. I'd re-sign Michael Carter-Williams. Depending on if Aaron Gordon is on the on the team or not, see what you can do with Gary Clark. Otherwise, you know he's gonna probably have to go to a better team if we, especially if we keep AG. Uh, let Melvin Frazier walk. See if Ennis picks up his two million dollar player option again. We, as of the recording of this of this pod, we don't know if if he's if he's walk if he's walking away from that player option or not. Again, it's basically the vet minimum for him. It would almost be dumb to to, to pick it up at this point. Um, but he loved playing for the magic. I mean, he, he got an opportunity that he didn't have in Philly and you know, there's, there's some loyalty involved in that potentially. Um, it'll be interesting to see how badly we want to stay under 109.1 million. Um, or if just being under 132 million, the luxury taxes is satisfactory enough for the DeVos family or not. Um, We'll see, you know, if, if we get some type of exemption for Isaac being out the whole year or not. Anyway, I want to get to the draft prospects. So um, I let Penny go because Penny's a busy, a busy man, believe it or not. <laughs> he, he really is. And um, I focused in on the draft a lot more than he did. So I didn't want him to be forced to, to, to bullshit his way through the draft stuff. He's very good at judging, you know, at, at judging talent in general. I mean, the man, the man... To, you know, coach high school basketball, a lot, you know, AAU basketball, and so I don't want to burden him, burden him with you know having to go through a whole bunch of draft people that I did, you know, in this, in this 2020 draft class, and it's better off to just evaluate them after the Magic pick them, basically. So, you know, this is the second year in a row that we don't have to worry about the, you know, we didn't have to worry about the NBA draft lottery if you're the Magic. You know, we're drafting 15th and then 45th overall. Um, as you know, the team with the worst record of the non-lottery teams, Hey, uh, but Hey, we weren't in the lottery. So, um, you know, the 15th pick is going to make about two and a half, three million million in salary their first year. Um, because of COVID-19, each NBA team was basically allowed to only do in-person workouts with 10 prospects. I think that's important in this draft more than in previous drafts, because we don't know about you know, we didn't know about secret workouts back then and, you know, until after the fact. Here you would assume there's transparency for just pure health safety protocols, if nothing else. So the Magic did get confirmed to have worked out seven players. So there's a couple that, you know, that we, we did work out that we haven't found out about yet. Um, RJ Hampton, 19 years old, 6'5", supposedly 6'7", wingspan. He played last season in New Zealand. Huge potential. Couldn't quite figure out his shot there. Shot form is great. Just the percentages weren't there. And then he just he 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 steps into his shots confidently. He's a very very confident guy. He's one of the fastest guys in the draft. He may still be you know he may weigh still under 180 pounds, which 
you know, you got to put some weight on in that. But he's a he's very fun guy to watch on the court. Um, Devin Vassell rhymes with Sam Cassell, if you get confused with how to say the last name. Um, he's an FSU kid, just like Jonathan Isaac was. He's 20 years old, six foot seven, supposedly a 6'10 wingspan. He shot 41% from three-point range, which is definitely what the Magic need to look at as a guy who can actually shoot the ball in this draft. Um, I view him as definitely a small forward. He's got great athleticism on both ends for that position. It looks like his shot form is different now from when he stopped playing, you know, between when he, you know, his his FSU playing and, you know, all these private workout stuff that he's been doing. So, you know, the ball it is was way above his head and it just it the video evidence doesn't look great in my mind. Um I'm a little concerned with that. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., 19. Some of the mock drafts have him going to the Magic. Uh, Alabama guy, six foot three, guard, six six wingspan. He can actually shoot it a little bit. I still get some Alfred Payton type vibes, and I I just don't see him as a better option than some of the guys that I'll, I'll share on my list in a bit. Um, but he he you know, he got to work out with the Magic. Uh, Cole Anthony, he's 20, 6'3", 6'5", wingspan he's from UNC. He took a big draft stock hit. Um, he was basically the only good player on UNC's team this, you know, the past college season. He's a very capable shooter, but he's inconsistent. He's Greg Anthony's son. Very hugely hyped out of high school, just like RJ Hampton was, if not more. Um, I have athleticism concerns with him. Uh, and we'll see, you know, his, his draft, I mean, all these guys... Everyone that's come out with a mock draft has basically said this is the lowest I've ever been confidence-wise with mock drafts. So we're gonna see guy, we're gonna see surprises. We, we will. And then another guy that got a workout with the Magic, uh, Killian Hayes, six foot five, supposedly almost has a six nine wingspan. He's a shooting ball handler whose best asset now is passing. He's a lucky lefty. He's a local Central Florida guy. He was born in Lakeland, Florida. Yes, he was raised in France. He played two years of ball there, and then last season, what you know, he played uh, in in Germany's league. He's been in the Orlando area the majority of the time since March, since COVID nineteen, you know, started shutting stuff down. He's been in the Orlando area basically every day since March. He has some James Harden, D'Angelo Russell in his game offensively. He can actually defend. Um, he won't be on the board at number 15, I don't think, unfortunately. Um, it looks like he's a lot to be a top 10 pick, which that's changed in, in a couple weeks. And, you know, The Ringer came out with that with that video a couple weeks ago that basically said Killian Hayes is the best draft po- prospect. And everybody's mock drafts like had him go up a couple more spots. So, I mean, he might go, you know, I've seen him, I've seen a couple have him sneak into the top five. Most settle around seven or ten, so I, I I like him a lot, but he's it doesn't look like he's gonna be anywhere close to near fifteen. Um, you know the basketball quality of the German league should be questioned. I think um, it's it's still better than the NBL. You know down under down in you know Australia and and New Zealand, but um, and in the French league it's obviously way better than the German league, but still. Um, so those, so five of the seven are first round guys. And these last two workouts that we found out were second round prospects. You have Arizona guard, Nico Mannion, second round, you know, he's a second round option. Um, he has a negative wingspan, I believe, which 
that's a concern and something that I'm sure uh, Weltman and Hammond don't like in their prospects, just based off history. Um, Mannion, he plays like Trey Young a little bit, uh, and so I'm I'm a little I'm a little intrigued. But I like this other guy, the seventh guy we worked out, who is also uh, in that second round range, is Emmanuel Quickly. Um, if you go on YouTube, his slam video has him in Magic workout gear. Uh, along with Mannion, he's another, again, in that 45-pick range, potentially, maybe higher. Um, if, if Quickly's available at 45, I'd be very, very happy if we take him. He's 21, 6'3", 6'8", wingspan. At Kentucky, he averaged 16 points per game on 43% shooting. He was more of a finisher than than you know some of his teammates, and yet he's a, he's the, he's a worse project than some of the other Kentucky guys in the draft. So that's just very interesting. Um, yes, he's a little short and weak for a shooting guard, but at number 45, I'd be thrilled to take him with what he can do as a 3 and D guy, basically. Um, some have actually kind of compared him a bit to Malik Monk, and Malik Monk was a lottery guy. So again, if you can get quickly at 45, that's a gamble you, you definitely pounce on. So from here on out, I don't know if we worked out these guys, but these are guys that have been tied to the Magic either in mock drafts or or just rumors um, elsewhere. Aaron Neesmith, not Naismith, Neesmith is you know if he's available at number fifteen, he's my guy. You you have to take him. It's almost too obvious that the Magic should take him. Um, you know the you know the rumor about the Magic potentially carrying Aaron Gordon to then maybe jump up, uh, in you know. From 15 to jump up spot, you know, closer to the middle portion of the lottery, I guess. Um, maybe it's for a guy like Neesmith. Maybe it's for somebody else. But I think this draft is deeper than than we think. And I, I tweeted it out, but I, I could see a situation where picks 8 through 15 have M better NBA careers than picks 1 through 7. Uh, we'll see. I could be completely wrong. Um and then even further on into the first round and into the second round, there's some guys there. So if, you know, th this is the most prepared NBA teams have ever been when it comes to an NBA draft. They've had so long to wait. They've had so many opportunities to talk to guys, to review the film. And then they've had a chance to work out, you know, a certain amount of guys to where you might get in a situation where guys, guys start overthinking, you know, front offices start overthinking picks. So that's going to be real fascinating. But Neesmith, he's six foot six, six ten wingspan, twenty one years old. He averaged twenty three points per game on over fifty two percent from three in his sophomore season at Vanderbilt. He's the ideal guy to put on the floor next to Fultz. High motor, great team defender, won't hesitate to shoot. Room to improve athletically. Can be taught to improve his dribbling. He's somewhere on that spectrum between Danny Green and Clay Thompson, in my eyes. You know, he did his own two-a-days the summer after his freshman year to get better. He studied Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum film, and just how they do shot creativity, and it shows between you know if you if you see film from his Vanderbilt uh, days in his freshman year compared to sophomore year, it's just an unbelievable leap. And when you have that drive that's going to just raise your stock just immensely. You know, people were talking about how Mo Bamba, they didn't think he had a high motor and whatnot. That's not an issue for a guy like Neesmith. Um, the only reason you don't take Neesmith is if you see red flags on his feet and legs because he, he suffered a, a foot injury 
um, I believe in January. And you know, the other reason is if you don't believe he can improve his lateral quickness enough to defend shooting guards or small forwards. Everything else is what the Magic need. He's the best catch and shoot player in the draft. Um, that that's stats. That's fact. And so, you know, I think athletically he's good enough to where, especially once you get him with our, you know, with the Magic strength and conditioning staff and whatnot, he he can be really good. The problem is, is he's he's he was around the 15th pick range for so long, and now recently within the past few days, people have him going, you know, him going between like nine, you know, 10 and 12, which that sucks. And I. Yeah. I'm not saying saying you should trade up to get him, but it seems obvious that that's the best option for the Magic. And if the front office thinks that, you you have to think of a way to get him. I'm not saying give up Aaron Gordon, but find a way. Um, another guy that I have listed is Sadiq Bey. 6'8", 6'10", wingspan, 16 points per game, 45% three-point shooting at Villanova. He turns 22 in April, so he's a little bit on the older end of some of these lottery prospects. He's a strong dude, man. Uh, probably more of a small forward. Can even post guys up, but he can dribble. He can do the pick and roll stuff like a lot of these guys can. My worry is he he may not be quick enough to be even an effective small forward. So he's not a top option for me if I'm the Magic, but he's he wouldn't be a bad kind of emergency. Like man, we you know four of our guys that we like are gone before pick fifteen. Let's take Sadiq Bey, and it, it wouldn't be a bad pick in that situation. I'm personally staying away from a from a Tyrese Maxey, another Kentucky guy, six foot three, very inconsistent shooting. Again, it's one of those where Emmanuel quickly was more of a clutch guy than than Maxey in my eyes. Um, a lot of people like Maxey. A lot of people also I like this other guy, Tyrell Terry, six two, Sanford guy, twenty years old. He's small, but he can shoot it from anywhere. He's my emergency choice at 15, where at least you're getting a shooter, even if his body has a lot of catching up to do. He looks a lot like Trey Young on the court, for better or worse. He's a really, really smart guy. He's supposedly a shattered basketball IQ test. Can he get his body to, say, you know, C.J. McCollum's frame? If so, Tyrell Terry's going to be a steal in this draft. I, I have no doubt about it. We're going to see where he's going to go. Maybe the Magic take him. Um, we're going to find out. Don't take Pokusevsky. <laughs> Talked about Birch and Olympiakos and whatnot. Pokusevsky's Olympiakos guy. Unless you trade to obtain another higher first-round pick where you can get a guy immediately. You know, Even though Pokusevsky has huge uh, offensive potential, it's going to take at least two years just to get his body to a respectable NBA level. And we see what that weight's done for a guy like Mo Bamba, where we're still waiting. And Wildham just don't have the time for that if you're only going to have first you know, one first-round pick. RJ Hampton is my my second pick after Neesmith, if Neesmith is on the board. After Neesmith and Killian Hayes, if they're off the board. Hayes is definitely going to be off the board. We don't know about Neesmith. If Hampton's on the board... And Neesmith is not take Hampton. Um, Hampton, he's been on a media tour of lately to get his value up. He's been working out with uh, Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller. You, you, you give me some Anthony Hardaway just uh, notes. Uh, my, my ears kind of flick up like I'm a dog, basically. But um, Hampton, 
has done a pretty good job of spinning his New Zealand experience well. Um, it was some people have described that team just as a mess, and so you know Hampton's a guy that he can be a good shooter. He has the highest star potential, I believe, than anyone in that Magic pick range, and so that's a guy that I think you can take a risk on. Um, I would just absolutely be fascinated to see him play next to Fultz as a secondary ball handler. You know, the knock on Hampton was as a primary ball handler, handler not as good. Secondary ball handler, deadly. So, um, I mean, Hampton, he's got that Russell Westbrook freakish athleticism and finishing that's really hard to take your eyes off of. And so, again, it's I, I like Hampton more than a lot of people do. Um, do the magic and you know do the magic want to go with an international option when so much money has been invested into you know the stats uh, system within college basketball where um, it just it's a, it's a really good basically data and and draft tool to have um, I don't think it factors in just because the magic are you know supposedly still known to have a pretty good uh, international scouting division. Um, but something to keep in mind as far as what the team has invested in in recent years. But so my list with the 15 pick, it would be you know Aaron Neesmith, Killian Hayes. If they're off the board, then you go RJ Hampton. If he's off the board, I would go then Tyrell Terry over Sadiq Bay. That that's what I would do. Um, at least one, if not two, of these guys is going to be available at 15. And so in that regard. I, I, you know, if I, if they, if we get one of those guys, I'll be really happy. If 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 Weltham go a different route, then I gotta look at the player again before really, you know, being unhappy and whatnot. Because drafts are a crapshoot. Um, you really some and sometimes you don't know about a guy until three or four years down the line. So we'll see. Um, if you get quickly at forty-five, awesome. Uh, you know, I don't. Other than that, I don't really have a preference. Um, and that's it. I mean, I, you know, I, I got one other final thought on, you know, the Magic's new orange and white city jersey. I think it's a huge upgrade from last season's more gray anthracite one that we had. Um, these have pinstripes and they have the old school lettering. So those are automatically big thumbs up for me. I don't like the ORL plus the star on the front. They should have just done Orlando with the A being the star. Um, but it's still a great effort. I'm hoping that other merchandise that they'll have that's related to this will have the full Orlando on it, and I bet you that's going to be more popular than the jersey. But that's it. That's all I got. We appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny's Twitter handle is at Spencer Strode. There's no C's in that, <laughs> just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. It's going to be real fascinating to see you know, how these this next – Hell, 24 hours, if not, you know, 96 hours is going to go between the draft, trades, free agency. And so with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. Yeah. You either.